You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Father, we come to you this morning and we want to just um, come to you with humble hearts, Father. We want to take nothing for granted and we thank you so much for the gift of life and we do lift up Ashley to you right now. Father, and, and anyone that's in here that has come in and out of the hospital or is going through something physically with their body, Lord, I just pray for, for them. But, Father, I pray for specifically for Ashley right now that you would touch her, you would heal her. We never want to see a member of our youth group suffer like this, and it is, it's, it, it hurts. And so, Lord, we just lift her up to you. I pray that you would heal her as the ultimate physician that you are, that your word says you can do anything. You can do miracles, and we, we believe in that. And so we're asking for one. We, we pray that you would just encourage her, comfort her, give her peace and her family peace as well. And so, Father, we, we thank you so much for her, and we pray that she would come back here quickly and fully recovered here in this youth group and in church. And so we give her to you now. And, Father, we pray again for anyone that's going through any kind of illness or physical suffering, Lord, that you would just heal them. Lord, that your peace passes all understanding, that the peace of, of you is just... It, it, it meets our needs, or meets our darkest soul. And so, Father, I pray that you just lift anyone up that's just going through something. And, uh, and Father, now as we study your word, I pray that you will go before us now, that what you have for us today would be just eye-opening. And, Lord, that you would minister to each and our, any one of our hearts. And, Lord, if there's no illness physically that we're going through, we're all going through the same spiritual disease. It's called sin. And so, Father, I pray that you would just wrap your arms around us, that you would for... Just, we ask for forgiveness, Father. We want to repent of our sin and come to you clean. And, Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. We love you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. This morning we're going to read a good, a good passage that uh, really can be eye-opening for us today. Um, again, Colossians is written by Paul. He's writing it in prison. He, this is one of his last books he would write before he would die for his faith, um, Church history tells us Emperor Nero would behead him, and, uh, but Paul would write Colossians right before that, and so in chapter 2, we're here in this passage where he starts getting into uh, this topic and this heresy topic called Gnosticism. When we talked about this a couple weeks ago, this, the heresy that was going around was called Gnosticism. It was kind of a messed up heresy. Uh, it believed that Jesus really wasn't a human being, that he was just a spirit, I believe that you and I needed to beat our body physically in order to really just become uh, righteous before God's eyes, and the Lord, the Bible never says for us to do that. And it talked about sin and salvation. We have to find this mystery knowledge. It's not by faith. It's by finding this mysterious knowledge. And it was just creeping in the culture, and it started creeping in the church. And believers were starting to believe this. And Paul's saying, look, I need to write to you guys a book because this is ridiculous that you guys are following and I want to refute every single thing by the power of Jesus because he defeats all this. He's the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He was human just like we are. He wasn't just a spirit. He was human. And he meets our deepest, darkest needs. And we come to him by faith, not by finding a secret, mysterious knowledge. It's by faith in him alone. That's it. And the topic is going to be on the reality in Christ. So last week we talked about the supremacy of Christ where Christ is supreme over all creation. He is the creator, and he sustains it by his hand and by the breath of his mouth. He holds everything together. Now we're going to talk about our relation with Jesus and the reality that we should have in Christ Jesus because a lot of us can be in fantasy land, and we believe everything we hear 
But yet, the Bible is clearly telling us, look, the reality now is found in Jesus. Nothing else should sway us. Nothing else should persuade us. And that's what was happening here. Gnosticism was persuading people, follow this way, follow that way. It was the culture at that time, and people would buy into it. Nothing's changed here 2,000 years ago. We're swayed by the littlest things that pop up on Facebook, or the internet, or the web, or the TV, and, and we're, culture is swayed by the, the latest and biggest idea. Where is your reality now? Is, are you living this in reality where that's kind of like a virtual reality? It's not real? Or are you living for Jesus and all this reality, all, everything that pointed to Jesus has now been fulfilled by Jesus and everything is found in him? It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It will never change. But verse 17, again, let's go to verse 16, uh, down to verse 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And when I read verse 17, it says these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The shadow is nothing substantial. It's nothing real. A shadow is only made because of light. Light casting on you creates a shadow. But a shadow, is it really there? It's just, it's just mysterious. And Paul is saying, these were a shadow. They weren't the real thing. But Jesus, being the light now, has come into the world. He's the reality. A shadow is not real. It's just the reflection. Jesus has com comprised everything. He has pulled everything together. The fullness of Jesus is found in him. But I like this word reality, because when I look at that word, you think of reality TV. All right? I will say this right now. I, I do not like reality TV. It is trash. It's, stu it's stupid. It's drama. But why do we like it? Why do we like it? It's entertaining, why? Because I get to watch someone else mess up and have a stupid life. It's drama. But they don't have to see my life, I get to watch their life. Look how, look how idiotic they are, they're so dumb. There is, one, there is one reality TV show I am watching right now, and I'm watching it with my wife, I'm not watching it by myself, it's called The Bachelor. I am watching it. And all the ladies are like, oh yes! He's one of us! I ha I I knew that was going to happen. I, I have to confess that because then you guys would be like, oh, he's lying. He, doesn't, he says he hates reality TV. I do. Look, The Bachelor. Uh, it's the most unrealistic reality TV show ever, okay? You can tell that it's scripted. You can tell that they're telling Ben, hey, you need to pick this girl because she is so weird, but she makes us laugh. We know you don't, but I don't like her. We know you don't like her, Ben. Just bring her on. What was that one girl, that big mouth or something? Olivia. Olivia. Don't get me started. And guys, if you aren't watching The Bachelor, don't. Um, get married first and then watch it. Because um, it's just drama. It's, it's just crazy. So we're watching that. But there are other drama reality TV shows out there. And I'm just going to read the list real quick. There's, uh, yay, someone, someone likes it. Uh, we've got Survivor. I, I don't know how that is still on. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. Um, it's like, are they all surviving or are some of them dying? Like what? <laughs> How are they still like surviving on this island? I don't get it. It's so stupid. Uh, American Idol. The Carrie Underwood season was my only favorite season. After that, eh, garbage. Um, keeping up with the Kardashians. If you watch that show, why? Um, if you don't know who the Kardashians are, don't worry. You're not missing anything. Uh, Big Brother, it's another stupid reality TV show. That's been going on for a long time, since I was a high schooler. It means nothing to me. Um, 
Oh, my favorite one. My favorite one. And now he's running for president. The Apprentice. You're fired. That was a stupid reality TV show that didn't really do much, but uh, that was one. One exception I will say of a reality TV show, and this does fall under reality TV. I think everyone likes it. Duck Dynasty. You gotta like that show. Now, hold on. I will say this about Duck Dynasty. It is a little cheesy and totally scripted. It is. I'm watching it with my wife, Kayla, and I'm just like, come on, Cy is not that dumb. Cy is not that dumb. He's eating poop on the ground and he thinks it's blueberries? I'm sorry. He's, he's, he lives there. He has to know what poop looks like. Goodness! And he's spitting it out. and It's funny, but I'm like, this, this can't be real. So anyway, it's a good show, but my point is, the irony is of reality TV, it's not even real. It's just, it's just a show. It's entertainment. That's why we like it. And my point is, I'm trying to bring us back to chapter two. My point is, where is your reality? Where, where, where are you with the Lord? If our reality is kind of consumed with whatever the world's going on and our reality isn't found in Jesus, then we're just, we're just floating in this ocean and not, we're not living for the Lord. We're not doing anything effective. We're wasting our life. And I want to take us back to verse 8 because exactly what the Bible is saying. It's still timeless truth for you and me today. Verse 8 says this. Paul says, see to it that no one, no one, takes you captive. I like that word. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic world uh, principles of this world. Now, when he's talking about hollow and deceptive philosophy, he's, he's talking about this Gnosticism that was happening around. But Gnosticism is still showing up around here today. It's just not really a cult anymore. But what I, what I just mentioned, just reality TV, what's trending in the world, everything that's going on in the world, it can consume us. And Paul's saying, don't let any of that take you captive. And he's saying here, he says, hollow and deceptive philosophy. What does hollow mean? It means there's nothing there. It's empty. It's hollow. So when you have philosophy, he's talking about this Gnosticism philosophy. It meant it's empty. It can't hold water. It cannot sustain itself. That's why it would die off about 100, 200 years later. And now it's no more. It's non-existent because it couldn't hold anything. He's, don't, let, let, don't let this philosophy, which is empty and deceptive, because it will deceive us. And then he says, it's by human tradition and the basic principles of this world. The basic principles of this world right now, it's what society and culture is telling us. Hey, you should do this, you shouldn't do this. You should look like this, you shouldn't look like this. You should talk like this, you shouldn't talk like this. And then we're captivated by that. I gotta look good, because everyone else is doing it. It's called socially acceptable. The Bible never says for us to be socially acceptable. The Bible says for us to be holy before Jesus. Amen? The Bible's never about how you should look on the outside. The Bible's always about how do you look inside. But if you tell that to someone outside of the church, they'll be like, what are you talking about, man? That's how you look. Yeah, the hard thing, whatever. But it's how you look. You gotta look good. You gotta feel good about yourself. It's all about you. But see, when Jesus came in and he turned the tables upside down, he would say, no, it's not about you. It's about everyone else around you, serving them, and then following me. The only reality that's ever gonna satisfy us is Jesus. And there's three things I wanna talk about, the first of three things of how we can live in a reality of Christ, how we can live in Christ's reality, what he's done for us on the cross, that's, that's the reality we have. How can you and I live in that and still live in this world that isn't really in reality, it's in their own reality? Number one, and we're gonna read it, it's found in verse six and seven. Number one is dig deep, get rooted. 
What do I mean by dig deep? What I mean by dig deep is getting into his word, studying his word, digging deeper into a relationship with Jesus. We all have relationships here with either friends. When you get married, you have a relationship. You have parents. There's relational beings. That's how God created us to be, to have relationships. No one likes to be isolated. No one likes to be alone. That's just how we're created. So that's what Jesus says. He says, I want to have a relationship with you, but it's going to take effort. It's going to take diligence. I want you to dig deep in my word. And he's given us his free gift, his word. So now we can dig deep. Let's look at verse 7. I'm going to jump back to verse 6. He says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted. He uses that word rooted. Just like a tree digs deep into the ground, it builds roots. And from those roots, you then build a tree, you build a plant. Paul is making a picture here, an illustration of farming or a tree. He's saying, us as Christians need to get rooted down into the depths of who Jesus is. Because only then, if, we're, if our roots are consumed by Jesus and our roots are in his word, we're not going to be shaken. We're not going to be taken. We're not going to be torn down. We're not going to be washed away. The first thing to relive in reality of Jesus is start digging deep in his word, praying. Understand who he is as our savior. So if you follow many people on social media, do you follow Jesus as much as you follow your friends? It's a, it's a, big, it's a big question we all need to ask ourselves. How deep are you digging now in Jesus' word? Number two to living it is growing up. It's the next word from verse seven. He says, rooted and built up in him. It's time for us to grow up. When you build roots down, when a tree builds roots down, it then will grow and produce a tree that builds up, that grows, it matures. And I love what Ephesians four says. Ephesians four quotes, we need to grow up and mature in Christ. We need to start leaving the elementary truths of Jesus. We understand what salvation is now. Now we wanna dig deeper in a relationship with him. You have a good relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend, you have a relationship with friends, Jesus wants the same relationship with you, even deeper. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know him in a personal way. But that's being built up, and you can't be built up if you don't have roots in the ground. A tree will not survive if there's no roots. So let's build up in him, let's, be, um, let's grow up and mature in Jesus and who he calls us to be. And finally, number three, it's in the next section. Number three, it's stand firm. Once you are grown up, you can now stand firm in your faith and you can stand on the rock. The rock is Jesus. Jesus would give a parable about the two, uh, the two men who would build a house on the sand and build a house on a rock. He says the house on the sand was cool. It was a little beach hut. That's great. But guess what? When the waves came and the storms came, that beach hut came tumbling down. Oh no, poor guy. Then Jesus says, but the one who built his house on the rock, and he's referring to himself, the one who builds his house on the rock will never fade will never be torn down, will never wash away. So for us to stand firm, you first have to grow up. To grow up, you first have to get rooted in Jesus' word. So I just wanna ask you guys, what reality are you living in? Because Paul says in here, the Bible says, these were all a shadow of the things to come. Jesus came, he fulfilled everything. Now, the reality is found in him. We can be so consumed with reality TV, social media, and everything that's going on in this world, and some of it's not that bad, but it's whether you're letting it consume you rather than the Holy Spirit consuming you. Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to grow you up. He wants to love on you. He wants a relationship with you. But it takes effort by us. Who are we listening to? Who are we following? 
I want to close with this on the last, last screen, and I kind of paraphrase verse 13 and 15. It's found right here in Colossians. The reality is we were dead in our sins and our sinful nature, but God made us alive in Jesus Christ, and he forgave us all our sins. And it says here, he took them away and he nailed them to the cross. And he was victorious. And since he was victorious, you and I are now to be victorious. Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, he took on our punishment and all the sins that anyone's ever committed and ever will commit was laid on his shoulders. The Bible tells us that. The Bible says that he became sin. He that knew no sin, meaning that he was a sinless, perfect human being because he was God. He that knew no sin, he became sin. Isn't that interesting that all Colossians says, Jesus took your sin, he nailed it to the cross. The Roman soldiers were thinking they're just nailing this weirdo carpenter dude. Let's just get rid of this guy. That's what the Jews say. Kill him. They don't like him. The Jews think that they're killing this maniac because he was blaspheming. But really, what they were nailing on that cross was your sin and was my sin. Jesus took that sin on him. It's a beautiful picture. But then he defeated sin and death. He forgave us our sins. He rose from the dead, and he's coming back again. And if I don't get an amen for that, I need an amen right now. Amen. He is coming back, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior, I want you to get to know him. He wants to get to know you in a personal, loving way. And it's interesting, too, that this new Risen movie that's coming out, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm actually going to go see it tonight. Go see it. They're saying it's, it's good. Thank you. I knew it was going to be good. Don't give it away. I don't want to know. Uh, he dies? No. Uh, let's pray. <laughs> what, a, what a way to end it. Yes. Does he rise from the dead? Don't tell me that one. Nope. Let's just pray. I don't want to know. God bless. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that you did rise from the dead. And Lord, now we can be victorious now just because you were victorious. And so, Father, I pray that those that are going through a different reality that's not found in you, and Lord, that we can, persuade, we can be persuaded and consumed by the wrong things and the wrong people. Father, I pray that we would put that aside. Lord, I pray that we would be salt and light in this world, that we wouldn't be consumed by it, but that we would consume others by your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that if we're living one life in the world, one life in the church, Father, I pray that it would stop. And I pray that we would go wholeheartedly for you, that our reality now is found in Jesus. It's found in you, Father. We thank you so much for that. And we thank you that we can be rooted up, built up, and strengthened in you. And Lord, we, we can't thank you for enough for dying for us and forgiving us of all our sins. We thank you for forgiveness. So Lord, I pray for all these young men and women, and myself included, that Lord, no matter how many people we're following in this world with the technology we have today, Lord, I pray that you would be the ultimate person that we follow and continue to follow. People and places and things are going to fail us. Father, you're never going to fail. And we thank you for that. Go before us now as we, as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.